and welcome to episode 14 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, author, blogger, and speaker, Doris Swift. This podcast is about a community of women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They're answering God's call on their lives, rising above difficult circumstances, and using their gifts to impact the world for Christ. We serve an awesome God, yet life can take an unexpected turn. And what do we do with that? Today, I welcome my friend, Mary White. Mary has been in ministry for over 20 years and is passionate about helping others go deep in the word and gain insight into the cultural and geographical aspects of biblical text. But her direction and calling didn't always look as it does today. After tragedy struck, God called Mary in a new direction and she shares all about her fierce calling and how she was able to move forward on a new adventure with God. Her story will inspire you. Listen in as I have a chat with Mary White. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today I have my friend Mary White with me. And I've known Mary for several years, and we attend the same church. Uh, she has a fierce calling and such a powerful story, so I am excited to have her on today. Welcome, Mary. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate you taking time out just to talk. Oh, well, I appreciate you because I know how busy you are and just here for a short while and then you are going back to Israel. So you have things you need to get done before you go. So thank you for taking your time today to do this show with me. So Mary, I love asking my guests, where are you taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect? That's a very awesome question because my passion, I think would, if you were to just put, well, if you were to say one thing, it would be encouraging people to dig deep within the biblical text from a contextual and a cultural perspective mm -hmm. so they can really understand the message that God has left his children. Mm -hmm. How did I get to this point? That's a whole nother story. Um, I've uh, been in ministry for over 20 years. Um, my husband and I were youth pastors in Maryland. Uh, we've served in different ministries and adult, adult ministries as well. And I guess my journey for where I am today really began when my husband um, lost his life. Mm. It was a very sad time for me. Mm -hmm. um, he was actually killed at the hands of another person. Yeah. No warning, uh, no idea that life was going to change. Mm -hmm. People ask, why do bad things happen to good people? And I can truly say it's because we're a fallen world. Yes. We have free will. There are... Uh, consequences to our actions and my husband's death just happened to be someone's free will choice mm -hmm. to do something that then had a consequence of his death. I also bless God for the opportunity to have uh, been able to forgive that person mm -hmm. who was responsible for my husband's death within 36 hours of that event really that began a new level of a journey chasing after God. Mm -hmm. 
it's like, God, what's next for me in this journey? I've taught your word. I've been involved in ministry. It was my husband and I together. Um, we put you in the center of our relationship. Our love for each other was after our love for you, which sometimes didn't always happen. Put by, you know, you want to put God in the middle of everything all the time, but we're human. Sometimes we weren't as successful as others, yeah. but we really ended the day in a, in a relationship that most people don't have as husband and wife mm. uh, because he was my best friend. Um, and my job was to make sure all of his dreams came true mm. and his job was to make sure all of my dreams came true. And we really never went to bed angry at each other. We didn't do that. There was a couple of nights we didn't go to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we really yeah. followed that. So when he, when he was called home to glory and I am still here, it's like, okay, God, what's next in the journey? Yeah. And the journey began to what was my next calling and have been different places searching out answers from God, places that are quiet places. Um, the first thing I did was went on a pack trip in Montana so that I could be with nature and close to God, you know, to hopefully hear answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. um, in 2014, I had an opportunity to go to Israel for the very first time. And when I went to Israel for that first time, um, I was standing on a mountain called Mount Arbel. Mm -hmm. And every single Hebrew name has a meaning. And Arbel means God's ambush. And I was definitely ambushed on Mount Arbel. And God spoke to my heart the importance of understanding his word that was written to his people. And it was written to an audience at a time period that they understood what was being said. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to understand the context of that for us to be able to walk away with the truths and the teachings that he has in his word. Mm -hmm. So that became a passion to teach his word to anyone who crosses my path that God puts in that path mm -hmm. in a way that is from a contextual as well as a content specific. What is he saying? What's happening here? Mm -hmm. Perspective. So that you get a clearer understanding. Yeah, that's beautiful. Would you say that the journey, that turning point was at the point that you release that forgiveness and then you moved forward? I think it's a process mm -hmm. where art has to be ready for what God has for you to do. Mm -hmm. I know that all of us are like praying, God, show me, show me the way, give me something. I want this. I want that. Um, yeah. I want to see what my future looks like, mm -hmm. but I will tell you if God would have revealed to me what my future was 10 years ago before my husband was killed, I would not have been able to do what he had planned for me to do. Mm -hmm. My heart had to be in the right place. That yeah. forgiveness was part of it, mm -hmm. but it was also part of it was what value to the kingdom do I have separated from my husband? Mm -hmm. Because before we were a team, right? and now it was just me. Yes. And that reminder of that 
even in a married couple's relationship, which where the two become one, and then God does still have plans for us individually. And I just watched all of the things unfold with what he's doing in your life and the opportunities that he has brought forth and the doors that continue to open. But Mary, I can definitely attest to the fact that your passion is to teach the word of God, God's truth, and all of the cultural aspects that we don't really think about sometimes when we read the Bible. Yeah, an example, um, I spoke at a ladies group on Tuesday of last week, Mm -hmm. and the whole focus was biblical hospitality. Mm. We used um, different examples in the text to kind of show what I was talking about, Mm -hmm. and we don't really understand what they mean, what it means. Mm -hmm. Uh, The primary example, and the first example I use is where in um, the book of Genesis, Abraham is visited by three strangers, Mm -hmm. and he immediately runs out of the door of his tent to greet them and offers them, you know, asks for them to stay and offers them water for their feet to wash their feet Mm -hmm. and water and bread to eat. And in the meantime, he runs back to the tent to tell Sarah, hey, prepare three seeds of fine flour, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for cakes and bread for the guests. Mm -hmm. And then to a servant to go and bring a fattened calf and prepare it for a meal. Well, we don't really think about what that means because, you know, we go to the grocery store, we buy a loaf of bread, we buy a package of, of hamburger meat or whatever. It's in our refrigerator. Right. You don't realize that, first of all, three sieves of flour is about 35 pounds of flour. Wow. <laughs> so we're going to use 35 pounds of flour to make, you know, bread or ca- fine cakes, depending on your translation of the text, mm-hmm. for these uh, three men. Mm-hmm. And a fattened calf for three men, that's a lot of meat for three men. Yeah. And you know how long it takes to find, you know, pull the calf out of the field to actually process it before it goes on the grill and then to serve it? Mm-hmm. We're talking, you know, a, a day, day and a half preparation for a meal. And what was promised was little. What was delivered was a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's what biblical hospitality really is all about is basically promising little, Mm -hmm. but providing a lot. But also by having them come to his home, you know, he also came under his, their protection Mm. because uh, groups of tents within the wilderness areas that the shepherds would have been in the land, there's great distances between those tents and no water and no food and no protection. Wow, so yeah. each one of those camps were like rest areas that we have today. Mm-hmm. And unless you understand that these are like way stations or rest areas, mm-hmm. and that you're also under the protection of the master or the host of the house, which would be the father of the house, because they were a patriarchal society, mm-hmm. um, you don't really understand the next story, which is the story of Lot, mm-hmm. where the angels come and become his guests and the uh, city men want the guests to come out and be harmed. 
-hmm. He offers his daughters instead, because as a host, you're to keep your guest safe, Mm -hmm. even at the cost of your own family. Wow. But we don't, but we don't understand that. That's a cultural difference in the text. Yes. I just even read that part because I'm going through the Bible chronologically and reading that I remember I've read it before and I've heard it before and I've heard preaching and sermons and this man on it, but it is so difficult to think about giving up your own child to, to protect someone that you are showing hospitality to or having invited into your home. That's a great expansion on our definition of hospitality, because when we think of hospitality, we just kind of think about it as inviting someone in your home and offering them a cup of coffee or tea and um, maybe a, you know, a scone or something. But this is like, wow, hospitality at its best. And like you say, in the confines of a different culture, it's pretty fascinating to hear about that. It is. And, you know, it just, we, it, there are things that we just don't understand yeah. uh, as, as 21st century uh, eyes. It's so important to go back to that context. Yes. And you have, uh, you know, you studied here in the States and then you had an opportunity and still are involved in the educational process in Israel. And so what kind of adjustment was that? How did that begin and what kind of adjustment was it for you to go back and forth between the different cultures even of today well when you go to israel um you're stepping into uh different time zones Mm. one of the time zones you step into of course is the modern culture you fly into tel aviv it is a modern city it has all of the things that modern cities have it would be like flying into boston or new york city or Washington, D.C., it is, you know, high rises, very, very modern. Mm -hmm. Then you get onto the highway. (laughs) And let me tell you, they drive very differently than we do. Mm -hmm. They drive like there is no tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> and you are putting your life in your own hands when you ride with a in a cab or in a shuttle because they do drive like there is no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, you think that in the big city, you know, when a light turns green, there's an immediately people blowing their horns. Mm-hmm. Well, in Israel, they blow their horn before the light ever even begins to turn yellow or green because <laughs> it's just move, go. Am I? I am so important. I got to go. <laughs> And in fact, uh, in some of the streets of Jerusalem, because of, you know, how you have congestion at, at lights, mm-hmm. and sometimes you have people in the intersection, and the light turns red so that the other side can go, four cars, five cars, three cars behind the guy in front who can't do anything, mm-hmm. they're just laying on horns. It's hilarious. Very different way of transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you get into Jerusalem, Jerusalem itself, especially in the old city, mm-hmm. that's where you really see a mixture of cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, the old city is broken up into four different quarters. Mm-hmm. You have the Armenian quarter, which is the smallest of the quarters. You have the Jewish quarter, you have the Christian quarter, and you have the Muslim quarter. Mm-hmm. Now they're kind of all intermixed, but, um, because you do have people living outside of their 
designated quarter because they're not like you have to live here because you're this. Right. Uh, however, the majority of the shops in the different quarters cater to the different types of, of groups of people. Hmm. Because uh, of that, you have a whole mixture of things going on. Plus, you have visitors who are making pilgrimage because Jerusalem, specifically the old city, mm-hmm. is kind of the focal point, you know, Jerusalem being uh-huh. a focal point for three different religions. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you have three different ways of worship or three different groups of people to worship. Mm-hmm. But within each religion, there's different ways to worship. Like uh, in the Christian quarter, you have you have your Eastern and you have your Western Christian movement. Hmm. Eastern would be your Orthodox, your Greek Orthodox or your Orthodox Eastern. Mm-hmm. And then you have Catholic or Protestant being representative of your Western. Mm-hmm. And they're very different. And the way that they uh, present themselves, even just walking in the street is very different. Um, for example, I was walking the streets and there is a priest, a, a Greek Orthodox priest, and as he stepped, he would take his cane and hit the ground really, really hard with each, every other step, mm-hmm. kind of follow me, and he, of course his students would all be behind him. It oh. was very, very strange. I have no idea why, because uh, uh-huh. no one's asked, ever asked the question why, uh-huh. but I just thought it was very strange. And then, of course, with the, the priest, the Catholic priest, and then you have the monks behind them or various order behind them, mm. it, they walk the streets, but it's very different. Their clothes are different than the Greek Orthodox. And mm-hmm. then you have the Protestants. Well, anything goes as far as dress. So you, they kind of blend with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the Christian quarter, you have a mixture of uh, Jewish Christians. You have a mixture of Arab, uh, Arab Christians, as well as people that are there doing ministry that are from every walk of life. Mm. Um, Mer- Americans, uh, as well as Canadians and other English speaking, you know, Britain and Australian, but also from all countries in Europe. We even have some from different South American countries, all missionaries to the city of Jerusalem, all kind of uh, congregating around the Christian quarter. Wow, that's fascinating. So, and then the Armenians are also Christians, Mm -hmm. but they don't really mix that much with the Christian quarter because the way that they actually celebrate follow more the same days as the Jewish Mm -hmm. uh, days for celebration as well. Mm -hmm. They're more of a a Saturday service as opposed to a Sunday service. You have the Jewish quarter that has Shabbat that starts on uh, Friday evening that goes to Saturday evening. So the entirety of the Jewish quarter is very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the Jewish quarter, you have Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, as well as Reformed. Mm-hmm. And so each type of Jew- branch of Judaism is slightly different and how they interact is slightly different. And the way they dress is different as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox, depending on where they came from in the European or in uh, the Eastern or Western European theater, they still wear, the men still wear the costume of their rabbi from 200 years ago. So (laughs) it's like, okay, (laughs) the rabbi to another level. Yeah. The Muslim quarter um, is, is the largest of the quarters. Mm-hmm. And the streets are probably packed. Mm-hmm. T- oh, well, they are packed tighter than the other streets. 
you figure for every one person in the Armenian Christian or Jewish quarter, there's probably 15 people in the Muslim quarter. Hmm. Just with you describing that, it's so diverse across the quarters, but also within the quarters. And so if you're Christian you're and you're in the Christian quarter, it feels welcoming then and comfortable? I would say all of the quarters feel welcoming and comfortable during mm. the day. Mm -hmm. I would not go into some of the areas in some of the quarters at night, just like any other big city. Mm -hmm. But That's stay on the main streets and, with, and you're with, uh, with people, you know, mm -hmm. not by yourself, even yeah. night is okay. The key, though, to also understand is um, you have a police force that is also in the old city. And they tend to shoot first and ask questions later. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's not quite as bad as that sounds, mm -hmm. but they, they are definitely there to keep the peace yeah. uh, within the city. And usually any of the disturbances that occur mm -hmm. is against them, not mm -hmm. against the people. And mm -hmm. that's the sad part. Is that the and you also have a military presence as well and and all of the violence uh, lately has been toward them not toward any of the tourists or people that live there mm. and that, that part is sad yeah and you're going back to finish up how much more schooling do you have left over there I have completed three semesters mm -hmm. I have one semester left uh, and I will be uh, completing a master's degree in biblical history and geography. Mm. Wow, that is awesome, Mary. And now what is the name of the university there? Um, I'm attending Jerusalem University College, mm -hmm. and it's located on Mount Zion. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Like, yep. really cool. So, and then once you do finish this, I know you did have a heart for doing the teaching tours and things there? What I'm looking at is what it would take to be an adjunct professor at uh, Jerusalem University College mm. that would allow me to bring people over as students uh -huh. for a two-week um, study tour of the land. It's not a tourist tour. It's a come let's get deep into the text mm. and let's take a look at the lay of the land so you get a better feeling and understanding mm -hmm. for why things happened where they happened mm -hmm. as well as what influences from the cultures that surround the land of israel seen through the text and that is just like learning with your feet actually on the ground in the places where Jesus walked and, you know, all of these things that we read in the Bible just come to life. And that, that's amazing. And that is a fierce calling, Mary. And I'm just so proud of all the things that you're doing there and what God is doing. And you're just answering his call. And this is, it just inspires other women to know that, you know, God opens the doors and things that we would feel like would be impossible or would never happen. Nothing's impossible with God. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. Because I bless God every day mm -hmm. um, for his gift mm -hmm. because being able to go to school in Jerusalem has been truly a gift. Mm. Um, and I thank everyone who has been a cheerleader and a supporter of this process. Mm -hmm. um, it hasn't been easy. There have yeah. been many, many hours of study. I still have many, many hours of study to finish the uh, comprehensive exams. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So, you know, any and all prayer is appreciated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely prayers for you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, learning to rely on God and learning to rely on him by leaning into his strength, because it's not my strength. Mm -hmm. It's his strength that yeah. builds us yeah. up so that we can accomplish what he set out for us to do. And I truly believe that's one of the things that I am called to do mm -hmm. is to teach the biblical text in its context. Yeah, that's just beautiful. And, I, you know, sometimes I'll ask, what would you want the listener to know? And that is beautifully worded. And I feel like that is so important for everyone to remember, you know, and not everybody's walk or journey will look the same, but it's just an encouragement to study and show thyself approved, you know, and that can look like a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but you're just this walk that you're on and this journey. I've been excited to, to just kind of witness it all unfolding and it's just amazing. And if anyone ha has an interest or uh, wanted to ask you more about some things that you shared, how can they connect with you, Mary? Because I'll be leaving uh, the United States and be living in Israel for the next five months, the mm -hmm. best way to contact me will be via an email um, mm -hmm. and I'll respond to my emails. Uh, my address, email address, and that's D-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N at hotmail.com. You may ask why Dundanson? Dundanson was a name of one of the horses oh. that was born on our farm. Mm -hmm. uh, his mother uh, was confirmed pregnant by the veterinarian on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. He came home on a Sunday and my husband, unfortunately, was uh, killed on that Monday. Oh. So he's the last one that we bred together because mm -hmm. uh, we did have a small breeding facility on our farm, breeding Arabs and half Arabs. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's his name. He was the last one we bred. So I took that as my email address just because. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I would love if the listener would want to reach out to you and just get some more information and maybe some guidance if God is calling them to something similar so that you can share your journey and some wisdom that he's given you on this road. And as you say, adventures with God, because <laughs> it certainly is an adventure for sure. So Mary, thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate that. I know you have another engagement right after this one. And so thank you so much for being here and sharing a little bit about your journey and what God is doing in your life. You're welcome. And one last thing, um, in Habakkuk, uh, he talks about how God gives us the feet we need for the path that we're on. You said so true. Everyone has their own journey. They're on their own path. And yes. God will provide what you need when you need it as you journey. Wow. What better way to end our conversation today that is awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. You are so welcome. Okay, friend. Well, I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you for listening. I hope Mary's story sparked a new desire in you to take that next step, explore a new opportunity, and walk in your fierce calling. 
It was fascinating to hear about her experiences in Jerusalem. She would never have imagined she'd be finishing up her master's degree where Jesus walked. You can connect with Mary via her email, and I'll add her email address in the show notes. God's plans for our lives are beyond our wildest imagination, and He is calling us to deeper intimacy with Him. You have a fierce calling, friend, so walk worthy of your calling and keep using your gifts to impact the world for Christ. I would love to connect with you too, so check out my blog at daraswift.com. There you'll find my free Goodbye Regret Bible Study and Prayer Journal because we don't have time for regrets when we have a fierce calling to walk in. I appreciate you so much, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. I'd like to leave you with this scripture. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Psalm 9-1 No matter what we are called to do, we are always called to go and tell. I hope you'll join me next week when I welcome another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, have a blessed week, friend, and I'll talk to you soon.